Welcome to Roe and You. I'm Whit Fuller, your host for this episode. On the show, we'll be discussing the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and the struggle for reproductive justice and abortion rights among many demographics across campus. Today's episode is about the responses of women on campus and the resources available for students here at the University of Utah. I spoke with Jenna Templeton, the Assistant Director of the Women's Resource Center here at the University of Utah. She provided an overview of the resources available to students through the center and urged them to think of the center and the people there as a home base for them during this difficult post-row time. I'm in charge of guiding the programming team and then overseeing assessment for the office, which means gathering data on all of the programs and services we offer and making sure we're looking at who is accessing them, who is not, how can we improve our services and programs. Okay, so you're just kind of the home base for like, (laughs) what's going on at the center, who's coming in. I'm actually curious. I want to kind of circle back to the coffee and conversation. Oh, Does it focus on like a different topic every time? Yeah. The first one was kind of a 101. Where have we been? Where are we going? Where do we need to be? It's just kind of introducing this framework of reproductive justice to attendees and talking about how it gets applied to different issues. Reproductive rights as the issue, obviously. This week, We focused on undocumented people in the struggle for reproductive justice. And so we had three panelists, one from the Dream Center, one from the Somos Dreamers student group, and then a faculty member from Ethnic Studies. And that was a a very deep discussion. And then the fourth one we're waiting to host until November. It's in line with our theme, which is Indigenous people in the struggle for reproductive justice, we're calling it resistance in existence. Each time we're kind of trying to take a different lens or focus on a different population so that we're we're getting kind of a, a very well-rounded view and discussing a lot of different intersecting issues. Yeah, for sure. It's really not just a women's health issue no. or a women's rights issue. Right. It's a human rights it's issue. A human rights issue issue, freedom issue, yeah, it it affects everyone. I think something that we're, at least that I'm seeing and I've heard people talk about is online in certain spaces, Mm -hmm. it tends to be focused on women's rights, Mm -hmm. women's health, reproductive issues and things like that, but without kind of being mindful of these intersections. Mm I think it's definitely important to highlight the work that the WRC is doing to bring those intersections into conversation and remind people that there are resources for them. I really appreciated the discussion we had in the first Coffee and Conversation event because the panelists, we had a, a sociology PhD student and a health educator from Planned Parenthood there. They just did a really great job of defining reproductive justice. So it's not a synonym of reproductive rights. It is a critical framework for examining the issue. And so I loved the reminder that it is about the right to have a child, the right to not have a child, and then the right to parent that child in a safe environment. And so then when we, you know, look at that term more expansively than I think it's been used in like maybe mainstream media, it opens up all of these other (laughs) 
issues to look at, you know, immigration, healthcare for trans folks, parenting, the safety of neighborhoods, you know, is so much more than abortion. I've learned so much. So it's been like a really great series so far and we still have two more left. Yeah, that, that sounds great. Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. How has the Women's Resource Center seen, if at all applicable, campus groups affected by it respond? How has the Resource Center responded? Are there resources available for students concerned about the overturn? Post-Roe response on campus, I can't say that I personally have, since I'm not a clinician and I don't necessarily meet directly with students, I don't have any anecdotes around students coming in saying, I want to talk about this. But I can say that I've heard more generally from staff within our center and in student affairs that generally students, faculty, and staff are concerned. So in the summer, people would stop by and say, you know, what's going to happen? Is WRC doing anything? And it is a little bit tricky because state law is state law and university employees, you know, are kind of bound by what they can and cannot do and say. But we are very invested in supporting students who are affected. There have been a lot of discussions in the office as well as across the division in terms of like, what does that law mean for what we can do and say and provide? And what we know we can do right now is provide information, referrals, you know, general resources. More specifically about our response, we want to provide that coffee and conversation space for critical dialogue, asking hard questions, you know, connecting with others who want to be involved, and maybe that's where students connect and then outside of the WRC space they maybe take action in the community. We have secured emergency contraception from the Ascent Center and Family Planning Elevated. So we offer that to students freely in the lounge area. It is free, no questions asked. We're asking that they limit one pack per, you know, take what you need when you need it. We're just asking for zip codes for reporting purposes and research purposes. I spoke about the support groups already. I would think that's a great space for students to go if they want to connect or process anything related to, to post-row and that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many resources that could be applicable to things post-Roe. The Victim Survivor Advocates yes. Group, things like that. Those yeah. are all great things. Especially the clinicians work really closely with the Center for Student Wellness Victim Survivor Advocates, often referrals coming from them to us and vice versa. That's great. Yeah. It's always great to interconnect with different yeah. resources on campus and have that available for people. What resources does the Women's Resource Center offer to students? Anyone who might be seeking community, a safe space, access to mental and physical health resources? How can students get involved, get in touch with the WRC? Yeah, I really appreciate this question because we have really thought about in this kind of post-pandemic proper is what I call it. In this post-2020, 2022 space, we really want to focus on student receiving opportunities to meet, connect with one another, build relationships, build a support network that for many people did not exist since the, or during the pandemic. And so we are making an effort to build community through a few different ways. One is our lounge space out front. We've done a really big push in the first couple weeks of school with our welcome back events, getting students in the lounge space and realizing like that's here for them to gather and to use. 
We're trying to attract students by you know, offering snacks, offering a shared workstation, access to a printer, and we're definitely seeing spaces being used more for students to come in and study together and hang out versus just you know, coming in to wait to meet with a staff member. The WRC offers over $400,000 in scholarships every year, and they are not merit-based, which means very few of them have like a GPA requirement, and if they do, they're not exceptionally high. Donors who fund our scholarships are all really interested in supporting students who have, you know, maybe they're experiencing a specific challenge, or maybe want to support students who have a specific lived experience. So for example, we have a very large scholarship from the Miller family. They are fully supporting single parent students, scholarships for first generation students, non-traditional students, or students who have taken like a five year gap in their education. We have a scholarship for students who have an incarcerated parent. So we're really trying to like think about those, or the, our donors really are trying to think about students who, you know, have added burdens that a lot of students have burdens right in finishing college but for students who maybe have unexpected things come up or specific challenges our scholarships can help with that so the applications open in january and they apply to the next academic year okay that's absolutely great yeah what i really want students to know is that you know we are the Women's Resource Center and that name might feel very narrow to some of our students and so making it known that we are a space for any student especially those who are experiencing some sort of marginalization and especially as it relates to gender so when folks are like who's allowed to use the center you know I'm not a cis woman can I use the center as a trans woman, right? The answer is yes. So if the name WRC doesn't resonate with you, maybe think of us as like a gender equity center that is interested in discussing issues related to gender equity. The only one of our offerings that are limited to students who identify as women are support groups. Other than that, want to see all of our students in the lounge at our events reaching out for support and what I've been telling students starting a new semester at welcome week events is we really do want to be your home base so I'll see students like taking naps on the couches in the hallway or like in weird configurations trying to get comfortable or study and I'm like come do that in the in the center in the lounge so we just want to be a place that students feel comfortable going to to just be or to ask for support when they need it. And if we can't help you, we likely know who can and we will provide that connection. In terms of mental health resources, one of our main programs is mental health counseling. Our therapists operate from the feminist multicultural approach. So they offer individual counseling as well as the support groups. We have two women of color groups a Tuesday group called Taking Up Space, and then Navigating Relationships. So even though those don't specifically focus on reproductive justice, we kind of made a conscious decision to not do that just because that will likely come up if it is important to those members in the course of their, their sessions together. I think that's also a really great way of looking at it mm -hmm. because then you don't have to specifically allocate groups for that and you can just kind of leave it open for people to mm -hmm. take what they need from the group and get the help and resources that they might need specifically.
Yeah, and it was also a, a specific topic of discussion among the leadership team. Like, should we open up a group specifically for like post-row discussion? But what we kind of decided on is that, you know, our identities and our experiences are intersectional. And so if, for example, a woman of color wanted to talk about that, they might want to talk about that in a space with other women of color versus, you know, joining a group separate from the group they regularly attend to talk about it. Absolutely. That's yeah. that's a great way of putting it and thinking about it for sure. There has obviously been an increase in visitors to the Women's Resource Center just mm-hmm. generally. I checked in with the team. I'm not new to student affairs, but I'm new to the WRC as of this summer. So I was like, are we seeing an increase in visitors? And I would say like during office hours, no, but I would say for our events, yes. Yes, because of the pandemic, you know, everything kind of stalled a little bit. I think compared to events hosted pre-pandemic, we're seeing more, and maybe that's because we focused on reproductive justice this semester. I don't necessarily hear students saying like, I'm coming here because of what's unfolded. Yeah, for sure. So ways that students can get involved. Yeah, we have an active Instagram account, U of U, WRC, or womenscenter.utah.edu, and we post all of our events there. Each should have a link to our event registration form. That just helps give us a head count and send out little friendly nudges, like this event is coming up, we'd love to see you there. It's open to everyone. If you sign up on that form, you will get direct communication from us as a reminder. Other than that, we'd love for students just to stop by, hang out in the space, and then if they're interested in some of the other programs like counseling, we can point them to the QR code that can get them scheduled for an initial intake, but that is free. I love that you made the distinction of the fact that the name Women's Resource Center can kind of put people off Mm -hmm. or people might be concerned that there's not space for them here, especially because that's actually what we're going to be highlighting in our next episode Ah. is queer and trans responses to abortion. Interesting. I don't want to say it's controversial. I just think there's a tension because, you know, a lot of centers have changed their name to, to reflect gender inclusivity, so maybe something like a gender equity center, which I don't fault that. I think that's wonderful. And I think there's still reasons to be called a women's resource center. And so I think we just have to be very expansive with our definition of woman. And like, I'm okay with that. The people who maybe are not okay with that are folks who wouldn't utilize our center anyway, (laughs) right? You've more than covered it. I have learned so many new things about the Women's Resource Center just from this. Roe v. Wade was overturned this past summer, striking down the nearly 50-year precedent guaranteeing the right to abortion. Utah was one of 13 states with trigger laws set to go into effect upon the Supreme Court decision, immediately placing restrictions on abortion after 18 weeks and without parental consent for minors. Crystal reported on the resources and sentiments on campus at the U Post Row. Navigating helping students with reproductive health care following the overturning of Roe v. Wade can be like walking a tightrope for resource providers. After a discussion put on by the Women's Resource Center, Katie Valdez, the program coordinator, said when you're part of a public institution in a conservative state, 
It's all about strategy. There's some limitations that we come up against being like part of an institution. You can't always like say everything that you like to say um, and do everything you'd like to do for your students. I think it's kind of um, in the mind of being careful and strategic about what our messaging is. Obviously, we want to support our students as much as we possibly can, um, but I think with like the institution's concern is that like if we say certain things or advertise certain things, that that could draw the attention of like people that make decisions about our funding or people that make decisions about like what we are allowed to provide um, so it's kind of more of like a matter of strategy I would say we kind of have to be careful about the way that we navigate things like existing in the state that we exist in um, like the state of Utah. It's, yeah, you have to kind of just be a little bit careful when you're working at a public institution such as the U because, you know, what you say and what you do and um, what attention that might draw from certain people in power, that can end up sort of limiting you in a more direct way because they might be like, well, we actually don't want that at our public institutions. We don't want this resource being like provided. The WRC has a new discussion series called Coffee and Conversations, organized by Katie. This semester, the topic is reproductive justice. There are four sessions, and each session features different panelists and focuses on the topic from a different lens. The Ascent Center for Reproductive Health, a U-Health clinic, has been at each session so far handing out free plan B, also known as the day after pill and referred to as emergency contraception. At their table, they provide information for other resources, including free plan B at all U pharmacies and the contraception initiative, a resource that provides free contraception to all U students. Some students know about these resources and some don't. Lexi Moore said she doesn't know where she would go with the U if she needed reproductive health care services. Honestly, I, I don't know where I would go. Uh, I don't even know what, like, I didn't even know the U had anything like that. Or, I don't know. Casey Ellen Cushman, a political science major and opinion writer at the Daily Utah Chronicle, said there are good resources available on campus, but that the U could take a more active approach. The the U's always been good at like ha like I know there are places you can like get condoms and get Plan B and things like that. I think that there should be definitely a more active approach, um, just in the sense of like if the consequences are now so big, especially for female students, like it could really impact your education if you get pregnant and you don't have any options. Um, but to like go forward with that, like that's potentially students who are no longer going to be able to continue being students, right? Like, that's a very big consequence for the U.S. institution and for those people. And so I think, like, taking a more active approach of, like, oh, maybe making it even so you could, like, approach your RA about that, um, or just, like, having, like, very easy places you can go. Even students with access to contraception have changed lifestyle behaviors around dating and sex in order to take extra precaution now that access to legal abortion is more limited. 
Like, I think that's the biggest one for me is personally, I just know that I don't ever want to be in a situation where I feel like my choices or my opportunities are limited simply because I'm like put in a situation, even if I do all the quote unquote right things. Right. Um, And so I think that's just like the scariest thing for me is like now when I'm dating, I'm very hesitant to put myself in like sexual situations with people I don't know very well even though like I know that I'm like protected because I have an IUD it's still something that I'm like well if that doesn't work because it doesn't always work then like I'm screwed so I like am now like less I guess just predisposed to like have more casual relationships. Each of the students interviewed for this story both women said they feel they've suffered the emotional and stressful toll without enough support from the men in their lives. Lexi said as a woman she wants the men in her life to understand the severity of this decision. I feel like the men in my life were just like, oh, um, you know, it, it's just, it's gonna, it's gonna like figure itself out, you know, uh, the Biden or whatever, it's not gonna let it happen and this and that, you know, like, you, you know, as a woman, you don't really wanna hear that. That's, that's not what you wanna hear. It's like, you, you want the men in your life like okay like we understand this like severity of this and we don't like it's just it's just something you didn't want to hear and I didn't want to hear it either and a lot of I feel like a lot of men just not especially men that weren't in my lives I feel like a lot of men were saying that as well it'll play it's it'll play its role you know it'll be good in the end but it as far as I know it didn't turn good in the end. Casey Ellen said she is surrounded by strong women at the Chronicle and that she feels a great deal of support there, but that the men in her life haven't seemed to care. Yeah, like I um, I almost like, to me, I think that like I wanted like my male friends to kind of come to me and just be like, wow, this really sucks. And like, I just want you to know that like, I care about you and I think that your autonomy matters because it's something that when society is invalidating that so much, you do want people in your life to say like, no, you matter. Because, like, when this initially happened, I did, like, want to make it a priority to, like, engage civically. And so me and one of my very closest, like, female friends, we went to the Capitol and did, like, the protest that was planned by Planned Parenthood. Um, And even as we were, like, making, like, signs for it, she lives with um, some of my, like, friends who are men. And they were coming in. They were like, well, what is that for? And they, like didn't really seem to care and we were like okay but like listen like our autonomy is being stripped away and like you should care because if you don't then you just don't care about women following the overturning of roe v wade thousands gathered in protest to defend women's bodily autonomy at the utah state capitol in the four months since the ruling legal abortions in the U.S. fell by 10,000, according to The Guardian. In addition to reproductive health resources, the Women's Resource Center provides counseling, support groups, and scholarships. Their office is on the fourth floor of the Union Building in room 411. As they navigate the difficulties of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, students and women on campus have support from groups like the Women's Resource Center. There are workshops, the center's coffee and conversation series, counseling services, and additional resources for those seeking support. I'm your host, Whit Fuller. Thank you for joining me for the first episode of Roe and You.